Well, good morning, church family. Here it is the uh, last Wednesday of September, September the 30th, 2020. We have the privilege of opening up the Word of God together this morning. So before we do, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, new day. And Lord, as we open up your Word once again, uh, we know that your Word will accomplish what uh, is meant to do uh, because it is eternal uh, and it speaks to everything that we need to know in relation to uh, life and godliness. Uh, for us to better serve you, better love you, uh, better understand just how blessed we are. Uh, for you are our portion, you are our merciful God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, we uh, began um, this uh, eighth section, Chafe, uh, in Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64. Uh, and uh, I'll go ahead and reread the uh, complete uh, eighth section. And then we'll pick it up in verse 61 as we uh, do part two this morning. It says, The Lord is my portion. Uh, I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, of, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. So let's take a look at verse 61 this morning as we finish out this section. It says, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Uh, again, the psalmist, as we've seen in previous sections, finds himself uh, caught by those who are um, trying to uh, cause him to stumble, that are chastising him, that are chasing after him. Uh, and he says he, he finds himself being snared by the cords uh, of the wicked. And as I took a look and, and thought about uh, being ensnared, uh, as uh, I thought about actually snares that are used to trap animals. Uh, and those snares uh, can be oftentimes um, put on a game trail. Uh, so that basically there is a, a loop of metal that has been anchored to a tree base or uh, a stake of some sort. Uh, and the animal actually goes and runs through, uh, but does not clear the whole snare. And so as they um, continue to move forward, that uh, snare will take and uh, get tighter and tighter. Uh, and it doesn't loosen up. Uh, and so in order to try and get away, uh, the animal will continue to pull, uh, which ends up actually um, killing the animal as a result or maiming them in some um, harsh way. Uh, or those snares can be on the ground as they're running through the, the woods on a game trail uh, and they will catch their foot uh, and be in that snare as well. Uh, and they're very effective uh, as they work. And the thing is that the, the more they struggle, the tighter the snare becomes. And so we, we find this, this psalmist saying that though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, so as he is, is going through life, as he finds himself you know, going back and forth uh, to whatever he is doing for his livelihood, um, maybe as he's going back and forth to market to, uh, to purchase you know, animals or food or things of that sort, uh, the wicked are wait, uh, waiting on the path, uh, those that do not honor God to snare him uh, with a cord. Uh, and so uh, they're, they're looking to snare him in some way 
uh, to cause him to doubt uh, the God whom he loves. Uh, and this is an opportune time to actually not forget the law of God. He says, though the cords of wicked men ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Uh, it's time when we find ourselves being uh, uh, chastised, we find ourselves being ridiculed, when we find those around us who do not love God uh, seeking to uh, ensnare us some way or to cause or question the God whom we love. That's the time to remember his promises, to remember who God is, that God is always with us, and to remember that uh, he has the power to free us from the trap uh, and to, to not cause us uh, to have harm uh, come to us when we remember who he is, when we do not forget his promises and his law. Then on verse 62, as the psalmist continues, he says, At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Now, I know that I don't even have to ask that many of you have woken up in the middle of the night. Uh, sometimes it's because of the stress of what happened that day. Sometimes it's because of what is yet to come. Uh, as when you wake up knowing things that you're going to have to face in that new day. Uh, and the question is, when you do wake up, what is your first response? What is your go-to in relation to how you handle that? Uh, you'll notice that the psalmist says, At midnight I rise to praise you. See, I believe that as we, we look at the things that we have in this life, that the choice to allow those things to control us or to go to God to help us to see beyond or through or uh, to know that he is not going to leave us but be with us by our side is the better default. Uh, sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night and you actually have a song on your lips uh, because God is, is ministering to you through the Spirit, even as you sleep. Uh, and sometimes you'll wake up to be able to enjoy uh, something that uh, God meant for you to, to not only know uh, as you rest, but also to give you an opportunity to rise uh, at a time when is, it's meant to be for sleep. Um, you know, that this time that the psalmist is enjoying with the Lord was, was so precious uh, and so needed that he was willing to give up time that was designated for his sleep uh, to actually, uh, you know, spend some extra time in worship. Uh, and those are sweet times because we know that God is not going to, you know, just ignore that because of the time it is for us. Uh, because God does not sleep. God, you know, does not rest uh, in, in relation to everything he does for those who belong to him. Uh, and he is, he is constantly active, constantly involved, constantly engaging uh, the world in which he's made, uh, constantly sustaining it, as we know, with his almighty power. Uh, but can you see the earnestness in his, this action uh, that he is rising up to praise the Lord? Uh, can you see the outflowing of a thankful heart towards the Lord, towards the one whom he loves? Uh, uh, there's a genuine thirsting after God here, uh, that he is enjoying uh, God so much, and he, he does it because of your righteous rules. See, so part of the thirsting after God, part of the trusting, part of the surrendering that we can uh, do on our part before God is resting in the, the righteous rules of God, that God is, is always going to do that which is right, that which is just, uh, that which is for our good and not for our harm, 
So even if you're waking up in the middle of the night, you could always go to God because he is there. You can thirst after him uh, morning, noon, night, uh, and know that God will always be there to, uh, to give you what you need uh, when you need it. Then Psalm um, 119 verse 63, as it continues on, it says, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. Uh, this is one of those things where the psalmist takes comfort in knowing that he is not alone. Uh, and sometimes as we go through the Christian life, we can feel as though we are alone. Uh, we, we are making choices that we know are right, but yet when we find ourselves in those circumstances that created the opportunity for the choice, uh, we sometimes feel alone. Uh, and the psalmist says uh, he is a companion of all who fear you. So everyone who has a reverence for God, everyone who has a love and a thirsting for God, that knows that our God is, is merciful and gracious, uh, all the things that pertain to the love that he has for those who belong to him, a love that he shared with us first so that we could love him back. Um, he takes comfort in the fact that he has companions out there who fear God, that he's not alone, uh, as Elijah thought he was in the Old Testament, but God says that, there were thousands who had not um, bowed their knee to Baal. Uh, and so knowing that there are other people that have that, that special fellowship with God out there is a comfort, that we're not the only one, um, that, we, that they share a common goal of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever, that they share a beautiful unity of heart uh, as uh, He has opportunities to see them and to come together with them, even though He may be not in their presence at the moment. But to the Spirit bringing the, the whole unity of every believer together uh, to let us know that we are children of God. Uh, you know, think about the church, the body of Christ. Uh, the word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, uh, and it's defined as the assembly or the called out ones. Uh, an assembly where, um, for as many of you as been baptized, it tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. Uh, into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So as we see that the fact that in salvation, uh, that that salvation is for everyone uh, who believes, whether they are uh, Jew or Greek, whether they are slave or free, whether they are male or female, it does not matter. Uh, and so these companions that he is enjoying come from every nationality. They come from every station in life. They come from every, uh, uh, well, from the two genders that exist, male and female. Uh, knowing that uh, those that come together are all one because of Jesus Christ. Let me read out of Ephesians chapter 1. Because uh, there's a, a beautiful uh, picture in here. Uh, in relation to uh, those who are companions, those who keep God's precepts, as the psalmist says in verse 63. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Uh, verse 18 of chapter 1 says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, uh, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Again, showing that, uh, that there's not just one 
saint. There are many saints. There are many uh, that are his companion. Uh, verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come and to put uh, all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so as we even look back to the fact that God is our portion, that Jesus Christ is the one who fills us, he is our all in all, that we are part of a body of, of believers, uh, that this is a, a comfort for the psalmist and should be a comfort for us today. And so let's finish out this section in verse 64. It says, The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Uh, again, it talks about this steadfast love, this, this mercy and this grace that God has for us. Something that we read about in Psalm 33 where it says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And it reminds me of Isaiah's vision of the Lord. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, particularly verse 3, and it says, as the, uh, speaking of the um, uh, seraphim, uh, with six wings, they, uh, two covered their face, uh, uh, covered his face, two covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, the, Lord, the earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. It is full of your glory. Uh, and the psalmist says, teach me your statutes. Teach me, teach me about you. Teach me about your righteousness, your justice. Uh, but, you know, as we, we live each day, it, it is sometimes hard to see the mercy of God in our fallen world. Uh, because there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of anger. Uh, there's a lot of uh, selfishness that permeates our world. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's hard to see the mercy of God in all of that. Um, but, you know, take a look at your own life. In what ways has God been merciful to you? How has he shown his steadfast love as his steadfast love is, is uh, uh, filling the earth? Uh, it's there. Uh, but we oftentimes have to train ourselves to see it uh, because there's so much hurt uh, going around. But see, the more the psalmist experienced and saw the mercy of God at work in his own life, the more he wanted God to teach him. And I think it's, it's tied together that as we experience and as we see God's mercy in our lives, the more we want God to, to be uh, transforming our lives, uh, to give him opportunities to, to change us and to mold us and to shape us, to give us the, the, the means by which to experience victory over sin. Realizing that, you know, as God is our portion, we, we can never truly get enough of God. We want more. Uh, and this is something that even as we've uh, alluded to Psalm 63, where we are, uh, you know, thirsting for God as if we are in a land without water. Uh, and so this should be something that um, as you walk through today, uh, that you see the importance of, of God uh, doing his great work uh, in your life. Uh, to the point where you, you just can't get enough of God, even to the point where he, you're waking up in the middle of the night with a song on your lips, 
uh, because God loves you that much and you love God that much. Uh, the more you as a believer knows God, uh, the thirstier you will become. Uh, because uh, what we desire and what we need uh, is God himself. He is our all in all. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time, and I ask that you would bless each one of our church family today. May these truths ring in their hearts, in their ears, in their minds. Uh, may they see your mercy today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family. Have an awesome Wednesday, and we look forward to uh, once again joining together in worship on Sunday.